This is Ari Koretsky and welcome to Jews You Should Know. Introducing the broader community to interesting and inspiring Jewish men and women making a difference in our world. Some are already famous, some not yet so. But each is a Jew you should know. We are back with another fabulous episode of Jews You Should Know. Here again, still in Corona Land 2020. Those listening in real time, right at the end of March, beginning of April. And, of course, coming up on Passover. And just a very, very bizarre confluence of unprecedented experiences for all of us with the coronavirus COVID-19 pandemic and the onset of Passover in a matter of days. I think this week's guest is really appropriate. Rabbi Dr. Sharon Shalom is an incredible person, one of the leaders of Ethiopian Jewry in Israel, a brilliant person who has made an incredible life for himself in the Holy Land. And his personal journey, as he himself will describe, is really an embodiment of the saga of the Jewish people and mass. His own sojourn from Ethiopia to Sudan, ultimately to Israel, and then his renaissance in that place, in many ways mirrors the exodus and the flowering of the Jewish people that we celebrate and relive every year on Pesach, Passover. So I'm excited to present him today and specifically during this time of difficulty the world over and in proximity to the upcoming holiday. A reminder again, this is perhaps your last chance before Passover and may not even be guaranteed delivery at this point, but it still could arrive in time if you act quick. Kosherwine.com slash Jews you should know. Kosherwine.com slash Jews you should know. Receive a $25 wine voucher off your first order. A reminder, of course, as always, to subscribe, whether on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you may be listening. Please share with others as well so that they may likewise do so. Submit any comments or suggestions at JewsYouShouldKnow at gmail.com. Follow us on social media, Facebook and Instagram, JewsYouShouldKnow spelled out fully, and JewsYouShouldKnow with the letter U on Twitter. And now to our riveting conversation with Ethiopian Jew, Rabbi, philosopher, Rabbi Dr. Sharon Shalom. We are here with Sharon Shalom, a leader of the Ethiopian Jewry movement in Israel, a person with a fascinating life story, and very, very excited to speak with Sharon. We've been working for months to try to connect. So how are you, Rabbi? Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem. Finally, finally, Rabbi Ari, I'm very, very happy to hear from you because uh, you never give up, you give up, you know, like Avram Avinu, go, go, keep going and never stop, <laughs> you never give up. And, uh, you know, this has happened, Baruch Hashem. So I'm very, very happy to speak with you. You know, coronavirus uh, period of time, we are in the jail now, but as a Jewish people, we are free. <laughs> That's right. Well, I figured this is a good time to, to have an interview. And um, persistence is the name of the game in this podcast business. So, Sharon, tell us a little bit about 
where you're from, obviously Ethiopia, but give us some of the background and the context for your early life. This is amazing. It's an amazing uh, story. My story is not only my personal story. My story represents the Jewish story. Okay, you know, someone named is George Friedman, he wrote that the history of Jewish people is accident of history. Hebrew to national history. This is accident of history, you know. When Mark Twain, Mark Twain wrote that all the uh, national, like uh, Greek, like uh, Egypt, they lost and they disappeared, but Jewish nation still survive and remain. And he asked, what is the secret of his immortality? So when I speak with you now, it's not only, you know, the miracle, the miracle is not because now we speak uh, by Zoom or I don't know why, okay, this is, this is this miracle, okay, you, you are now in the States, and now I'm in Israel, in Jerusalem, this is a miracle, but it's more miracle is that two Jewish people, uh, Rabbi Arik and Sharon here in Israel, and I, I do not exaggerate, but we are two brothers, two brothers that we were separated during 2,000 years of exile, and Baruch Hashem, now we're speaking in each other's, okay? So this is Ethiopian Jewish story, it's amazing, amazing story. You know, I remember when you live in, uh, in Maryland, so I, my first time when I, I visit in Washington, and I took a taxi, and the taxi driver, he was uh, African-American. He saw me with my keeper, and he asked me, because he was in shock, and he, say, and he asked me, my brother, uh, where are you from? And I answered, I'm from Israel. And he told me, oh, really? There is a, a, a black people? There is black people in Israel? And I answered, I'm not black, I'm brown. And he continued to scream, say, oh, my goodness, I hear about you. You are Ethiopian. You are Falasha, Falasha. And now, I, as I understood that a lot of African-Americans, they used to falling after Ethiopian Jews here, how we integrate as, a, you know, black people from Africa to, you know, white society or both also Jewish society. So they're very interested how Ethiopian Jews, they involved in integrate to Israeli uh, society. So they know everything about what happened with the Ethiopian Jewish community here. And say, oh, I hear about you, you are Falasha. And uh, actually, Falasha is mean stranger in uh, coding Giz language. Giz language is very, very ancient language. And this very similar to the Hebrew ancient, uh, ancient Hebrew, oh yeah? Uh, Falasha is mean stranger. So the Christians in Ethiopia, they call us Falasha, is mean you are stranger. And I remember when I grand, my grandpa, 
he used to sit with, uh, with us under, uh, in, in our village, and he opened the Bible, and he used to read the, in, the, in the Ishayahu, Anavi Ishayahu, and Anavi Yirmiyahu, and Anavi Yechezkel, how the prophets, they promise that in one day, God will, in gathering his people from all the world, bring them to Jerusalem. וזה פסוקים, you know, it's amazing. And I used to ask my grandpa, אוי, grandpa, grandpa, please, when God going to um, in full, I would say, uh, fulfill, excuse me, fulfilling this, this, this his promise by, by, by uh, his uh, prophets, when is going to happen? And my grandpa, he used to answer like this, now. Now, it's going to be now. And say, yes, no. And when I grew up, I understood that also his grandpa promised to him now. When I grew up more, I understood that each generation promised to the next generation now, 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 during 2,000 years of exile. You know, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. You know, I used to say that Therefore, if Ethiopian origin, origin he telling you now, uh, please don't believe him. And secondly, we don't need to believe to big uh, philosopher, name is uh, uh, Nietzsche. Because Nietzsche told us that uh, hope is an illusion. Hope is an illusion. So hope is not an illusion. Hope is reality. Because, you know, Ethiopian Jews, they promise now, 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 for their generation, during 2,000 years of exile, and this dream, and this dream, kol od balevav pnima, nefesh yehudi homia, olo avdati kvateinu, and this finally, finally happened, and it's reality. This is a miracle, miracle. John, what was your childhood like? Where did you grow up? Were you in Adi Ababa's? Where, where did you grow up? I was born in a little, little village. In, this is in, in, in you know, a Tigray area, Tigray area. And in, actually, you know, as I mentioned before, we grew up with a story, a lot of story about Jerusalem. And uh, I remember when my grandpa, he, telling, he told us about Jerusalem, and the Jerusalem is a city of gold, and everything is gold, and have a tap water in the world, and you open it and throw out no water, throw out milk. You know, milk, like Erez, Abad, Chalau, Dvash. And he used to tell us that all the people, they, They are Jewish, and no one call you falasha. It means no one call you stranger. 
because you will going to be there, one of the uh, Jewish people, and because you're going to be in your home, in your house, in Jerusalem. So when in 1973, Rabbi Ovadia Yosef, he decided to recognize Ethiopian group as a Jew. Actually, Ethiopian Jews, they were all the time Jewish, okay? You know, in uh, just, um, I don't know if you know, Rabbi, uh, because in, in 60th century, Radbad, Rabbi David Ben Zimra, is a very, very famous rabbi in Egypt. He uh, recognized Ethiopian Jews as a Jew. And he say, Ethiopian Jews, they are descendants of Dan, Shevet Dan, okay? And according to this Sika, Rabbi Obadiah Yosef in 1973, he decided to recognize Ethiopian Jews as a Jew. Therefore, in, in 1975, a Knesset member decided they receive a decision which say Ethiopian Jews, they can move from Ethiopia to Eretz Israel according law of return. So when we got a message that uh, please leave your village and uh, go to Sudan and, you know, Sudan and from Sudan to uh, Eretz Israel, to Jerusalem. But uh, I want to tell you that Ethiopian Jews, you know, all the time speaking, I, I remember, I remember I visit in a very amazing community in the States. And the rabbi there, he introduced me and he read something from the newspaper, uh, which um, was uh, writing immediately after uh, Operation uh, Solomon. And they wrote that this is the first time that in the history that white people landed in Africa to take the black Jews to freedom, not to slavery. You know, I, and I asked myself, I never, I never uh, was uh, uh, slavery. I was a free, freedom. You know, the single community in Jewish world since Second Temple destruction, the Ethiopian community was that they established kingdom in Ethiopia. And they were autonomic authority. The Ethiopian Jews were the single Jews in the world they, they, that they established a kingdom and, and country in Ethiopia. So we never were, you know, the Ethiopian country in general, the white people, they never control colonialism. They never control Ethiopian, Ethiopian country, never. Because I never was, I, I was a free. So why, you know, in our consciousness, the consciousness is that white people, Israeli, army, they went to Africa and they did something very hero and they brought uh, Ethiopian black Jews or Ethiopian Jews. No, no. They just help us to come to Israel. Okay, but the in initiative, the Yuzma, the in in empire, the hero, the Akoa was from Ethiopian Jews that we decided to left everything and uh, to leave everything and go out to the journey. So you went to the Sudan to meet the Israelis. What was the actual journey like? 
You know, uh, as I mentioned before, we left our village. Actually, we were, uh, you know, in, in good life there. Okay, some people, they think that we, in Ethiopia, you know, someone, he told me, listen, you know, I, I, want to, I, I can't tell you why you left Ethiopian, Ethiopia and, we, and you moved to Israel because in Ethiopia, there is no food. There is no food. And he told me, you know, I can, I can tell you joke that three boys, one of them is American and the other is Israeli and the third is Ethiopian and they sit together in the restaurant to eat something. And after 45 minutes, someone told them, sorry, we don't have any food. And the Israeli one stand very angry and he asked, what's the sorry, what's the sorry? And the American guy, I asked in shock, what is we don't have? What is we don't have? And the Ethiopian stand in shock and he asked, what is food? What is food? So, you know, <laughs> of course, in Ethiopia, <laughs> in Ethiopia, there is no food. But this is a preconception. This, uh, you know, but we, are, we were actually, uh, you know, the, st the style or standard of Ethiopian society, we were very rich. So we left everything. We By the way, Sharon, when I was growing up, it was the, uh, if you didn't eat all the food on your plate, they would say, there are starving children in Ethiopia who would love that food. <laughs> this was like the, the line <laughs> growing up. Yeah. So it was a real stereotype. Yeah, of course. I, <laughs> thank you. I, I agree with you. So we, we, we went to the journey, and the journey took two months and a half. Two months and a half. And we lost a lot of people in the way. A lot of people. Bad time. Bad time. I remember that we arrived the, to one place which there is no food. Actually, this is a, now this is no joke. <laughs> this really, there is no food. There is no water. And people, they drink, um, you know, they eat no food. Something, how do you say, alim, alim in Hebrew. Leaves. They, they, they drink their pishen, you know. The life was very, very hard. You know, the, this uh, moment was very, very hard. And uh, as I, I mentioned, we lost a lot of people, you know. Uh, in general, at the journey, Ethiopian Jews, about 4,000 people died in the way. 4,000 people. And we, Baruch Hashem, we never give up, we never stop. We arrived to Sudan country, okay? And there we were sure that after one week, a couple of days later, we will be in Jerusalem. But unfortunately, this took a lot of time, uh, one week to uh, one year, until seven years people stay in Sudan. Why couldn't they go directly from Ethiopia? Oh, Rabbi... You are. Uh, you have in Yiddish. How do you say in Yiddish? Yiddish kop. Yiddish kop. This is a good question because until today, uh, have uh, you know a lot of question. Why Mossad they did not do it straight from Ethiopia? Why they told to people uh, they choose this option and no the other option to do the operation straight from Ethiopia? So this is a good question, but. Uh, as I, uh, I understood from the people, from the uh, Mossad service, they told us that 
is for them was more easy to do the operation from Sudan uh, more than the straight from uh, Ethiopia in a lot of virus of consideration okay so also you know who is open the, this this option is Ethiopian one uh, I don't know if you hear someone have in Ethiopian Jews couple of hero people okay name is Fred Aklum Fred Aklum was one of the Ethiopian Jews uh, which he opened the path or the, the way the Aliyah through Sudan country so this initiative is not was is not come from uh, Mossad it's come from uh, Ethiopian Jews themselves from Ferede okay but this is still in in Mossad they ask this question until today okay because they know now they pay a high price and we lost 4000 if Mossad if they knew if they was know you know a priori that Ethiopian Jews they going to lost 4000 people i think that maybe they was how do you say i think they they choose the one the first the first uh, option to do the operation state from ethiopia and no through uh, sudan anyway we arrive and most of the people died in sudan no in the way from ethiopia to sudan is that by foot from ethiopia to uh, sudan is uh, by foot okay and uh, like egypt like it's at midtime how much like it's at midtime with the mata with the mime with kemach with donkey hamorim susim mamash mamash it's at midtime okay but when we wait waiting in the waiting in sudan in camp a refugee camp and this is was a trouble this was a very very dangerous time in in this uh, period of time in sudan i remember when my grand uh, my mom my mom she told me zode is ethiopian my ethiopian name she told me listen next day at the night you going to jerusalem but we stay here in sudan because we can't uh, go with you and now i know that my mother she want to save my life okay now like a lot of parents from the holocaust first of all they send the, the children in order to save their life so this was also the consideration of my my mom in order to save my life she send me first to jerusalem so uh, next day at the night i remember two guy from the they were uh, white people uh, mossad they came they came to us and it's like the movie you know like the movie a darkness uh, we continue with a couple of uh, people and you see nothing and suddenly i saw two trucks two trucks and they told us uh, go up and we go up to the truck i remember i went first and i sit down i sit down in the corner of the truck and now in two minutes or three i don't know maybe five minutes maybe 10 minutes 
we were how many people in one small truck? 150 people. 150 people. And no one complained. No one complained. Silence in the Mossad was they were in shock. In shock because even the babies, no cry, no one cry. Silence called Mamadaka, like Mamad al Sinai. No one, you know, uh, have a joke. Someone told me that uh, someone came, come, he make Aliyah from Russia, he's Russian. And they ask me, ask him how, you know, please tell us how was in uh, the life, tell us the life in, in uh, Russia. And, 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 and he say, no, there is, was, there is was perfect. There is no nothing to complain. Say, what about the government? No, no, nothing. There is no, nothing to complain. What about the economy? Uh, there is no, nothing to complain. What about the, everything? So and they ask him, so if in Russia, is, there is no complaint and everything is good, why you, why you move to Israel? Why you decided to make Aliyah? And the answer, because here I can complain, okay? Because, <laughs> because here I can complain, but in Ethiopia, there is no complaint, shake it, silence, and they cover us with the blanket, and, uh, and they uh, begin to travel, like the movie, like the movie, Mamash, Mamash. Is, so I'm so excited to tell you now, Rabbi, because... I remember uh, after a couple of hours, one woman, okay, we lost all, all, all the silence, okay, and quietly, because one woman, she started to, uh, to weep and to cry and to scream. <coughs> what happened? What happened? Shake it, shake it, shake it, please, please, please. And now uh, the woman, she was pregnant. And Baruch Hashem, how do you say in Yiddish? Kenayin Hore. And Kenayin Hore, Baruch Hashem, the baby coming at the night. On the and, truck? You know, Mazarto, on the truck, yeah. But the Mossad, they understood that the woman, she uh, going to give birth. So they decided to stop all the truck and they travel in one corner between two. Um, mountain and we go down all the people go down and the women gave birth baruch hashem and uh, you know so to be mossad and to be like um, how do you say mealedet in hebrew it was, yeah. <laughs> was amazing yeah and i remember that there in this place my first time i drink no not water i drink Juice, and I never drink juice before. Never. When I drink the juice, I I thought that I going to drink water. When I drink the water, and suddenly I taste that the water is very sweet. And I ask myself, why the water very very sweet? Why? And suddenly I remember the story which my grandpa was uh, uh, telling us in, in, in our village in Ethiopia, that the water in Eretz Israel is like, like honey, it's very, very sweet. 
And I answer, wow, of course, we are very close to Jerusalem. Because this water from Jerusalem, I was very, very happy. And Baruch Hashem, the women gave birth. And now we request by the Mossad to go back to the um, truck. And now in one truck, we were 151. Okay, because a baby again. And uh, anyway, they also cover us with the blanket and they continue to travel. And I remember suddenly the truck stopped. We see at this moment nothing. And but we now hearing, hearing a loud noise, a loud noise. And we have no idea what's this loud noise. And we began to pray, you know, tefillah, please, please, loud noise, what's this? And suddenly the Mossad, he opened the truck and we go down and I see something I never saw before. No plane, <laughs> no plane. I see water, a lot of water, water, a lot of water. This was the sea. Red Sea, Yam Suf. And I never, never saw the sea before. Never. It was my first time. You know, to see the waves coming at you without realizing that they stop at the shore. And I saw that it's like Mabul, Mabul, Mamash Mabul. I was with my uh, uncle and I remember, I see, I see the sea and suddenly from the sea, People come out from the sea. People come out like angels, like Malachim, like Malachim, unbelievable. And they were Israeli commando of Medinat Israel. It was amazing, 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 you know, to see the commando coming at you. You know, this is something I never see like this. Never, never. And they were, how do you say, in commando Ayami, the commando Ayami. I remember that one soldier, he come to us and he suddenly embraced me and he kissed me. And I began to feel better, you know, more confident. Okay, as I mentioned, of course, they were Israeli soldiers, uh, how do you say, in a, a naval commando. You know, this was, was very, very exciting for me. And now, the soldiers put us in the what's called in robber boats and they brought us to the ship but we had no idea where we were you know suddenly from the dark to the light and all we knew was that we were in the vast hall full of light and music and 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 people applauding and showering us with scandings, you know. And I, I remember, and you know, when we saw this, suddenly we prostrate ourselves and kiss the deck of the ship. You know why? Because we believe in that we were in Jerusalem. And this was very, very exciting. Very, very exciting. And the soldiers, they don't believe they, why people kiss 
the deck. Why? But <laughs> the secret was that we thought, you know, that we already uh, uh, we are already in Jerusalem. You know, <laughs> I just want to tell you, Rabbi, that sometimes after we had arrived in Israel, we were invited to reunite for Olim and soldiers. It means Olim is a is new immigrant, okay? And the commandos, the soldiers, told us that they too began to cry when they first saw us in Sudan. You know, Rabbi, you can imagine that, you know, as I mentioned in the beginning, you know, naval commando, the commando Ayami, you know, the tough guy, you know, if you know the commando Ayami, the last person you'd, you would expect to be sentimental in the embracing a strange child and starting to weep. And I say, why? As I mentioned, George Friedman wrote, the history of Jewish people is accident of history. Therefore, of course not. But we were two brothers who were once of one flesh separated for 2,000 years of exile, who then embraced and reunited. So this is amazing. This experience is beyond human understanding and borders on the supernatural. So it's, it's amazing, amazing, amazing. Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem is the Nesgadol, and they took us to Egypt. Sharem Meshech, and we arrived to Sharem Meshech, and from Sharem Meshech by airplane, we arrived to Ben Gurion Airport. And I remember in Ben Gurion Airport, we saw the Ben Gurion is mean Jerusalem, okay? For Ethiopian Jews, all Earth Israel is Jerusalem. So <laughs> we arrived to Jerusalem in Ben Gurion. You know, until today, have some people when you used to ask them, where do you live? Yes, they used to answer, I live in Jerusalem. Doesn't matter that, that they live in Afula or in Kriyat Gat. All Israel is Jerusalem. And I remember when we arrived to uh, Ben Gurion, some women, she gave me a new name. Instead, uh, you know, my name, as I mentioned before, was Zode. And she wrote into Udata Zehut, Sharon. If there is any connection between Zode and Sharon, I used to say Gornish with Gornish. Yeah, Nothing. I don't know. <laughs> okay. First day, Yiddish? Abyssal. Oh, so you are Jewish. <laughs> uh, anyway, <laughs> I arrived to absorption center, Afula City. And from Afula City, I arrived to boarding school. And there I got a message with all my family, which I left behind me in Sudan, died. And they passed away. Oi. And for me, it was very, very, very hard. But I mentioned at the beginning, Rabbi, that we are descendants of Avram Avinu. And the first journey in Avram Avinu, God tell him, Lech lecha me'artzecha. And I used to say that lech lecha is mean lech lech. Go, go, keep going and never stop. You know, this is the secret, one of the secrets of Jewish people. Go, go, keep going, and never stop. 
and I never stop. But the boarding school in Afula, which is belong to Emuna women, they give me everything. You know, they care about me. You know, money and shoes, food, everything throughout my home. And this is, you know, the another secret of Jewish people in the world is solidarity. Solidarity is something very, very secret of Jewish people. And uh, anyway, I used to to be an orphan. And I told to myself that I'm going to spend my life, entire my life, by myself. And suddenly, two years later, the head, head of the, this house, Emuna House, he called me and he told me, Sharon, immediately come to my office. And I, I went to his office and he told me, listen, the message that he got two years ago was actually a mistake. And actually, your parents still alive. Wow. Yeah, so at this moment, you know, I say, Mechaya Ameitim. Baruch Atah Hashem Mechaya Ameitim. And the guy, he took me to the Ora Akiva. Ora Akiva is very, you know, 20 minutes, 25 minutes from Afula. Ora Akiva. And I remember when I opened the door, the first face that I recognized was the face of my mom, which she passed away three years ago in Eretz Israel. So, you know, this is a history. And of course, I close the journey, the first journey from Ethiopia to uh, uh, Jerusalem. But when, when I arrived to Jerusalem, the second journey beginning. And I, from my perspective, the journey in Israel among Israeli society is more, more difficult, more than the journey from Ethiopia to Jerusalem. Why? Because this is, have, I used to say that, you know, have one, he dream, he dream, dream, and his dream, he saw that he arrived to the next world, the Olamaba, and he arrived to a Gan Eden in the, in the paradise, and he saw a great of tzaddikim sitting around the table, and they learning, learning Torah. And this guy became a bored, and he decided to go to Geno. And in Geno, he saw a lot of pub, hashish, girls, and music. Oh, Metsuyan. And this was only in dream. And when he passed away, and he arrived in the same place, and asked him, please, where do you want to go? to the paradise or to the Gehenom. And he imagined what he saw in the first time, he decided to go to the Gehenom and he got all the punishment that, which exists in the Gehenom and he asked, what's going on? Not what I saw in the, my first time. And, and they told him, the first time you were tourist and now you are Ole Hadash. <laughs> so, you know, the dream makes to be reality. So it's not easy as someone, guy like with brown skin color, not black, is brown, okay, as I mentioned. And someone, he's no, he don't know the, the language, okay, Hebrew language. And suddenly all the tradition is something else. Because the tra- in Ethiopian, the tradition is something else, something is, this is based on, in, in, on the Bible, in the Bible. There's no Talmud, no... Uh, a Mishnah, 
because all the uh, Ethiopian Jews tradition came straight from the Bible. So this is a meeting between Ethiopian Jews and Israeli society. It's not only meeting between black and white and new immigrant and uh, and Olim uh, Chadashim and Vatikim. This is a, a meeting between two categories of Judaism, two uh, models of, of, of Jewish uh, uh, of uh, uh, Jewish tradition, so so, so everything was a challenge, and also also I'm not I'm not exaggerate. Also, uh, all the you know electricity, everything was new. The electricity, the TV, the bathroom, you know everything was something new. I discovered chocolate. Something my first time. Okay, I never eat chocolate before. Okay, but it was everything, and suddenly most of the very, very, you know, very hard, the rabbinate, they decided to send us to the mikveh. And, you know, actually, because in Ethiopia, their tradition was when they marry, they used to write ktuba. But when they divorce, they don't used to write uh, get. They just take the ktuba and they turn up. Okay, the Katavla Sefer Kritut, Sefer Kritut, to change the Ktuba to be Sefer Kritut. And that's it. But according to Ethiopian Jews, go, oh, good. But according Orthodox, if not, uh, the woman, she's still married. So if the woman, she going to marry according to Ethiopian Minhagim, divorce, she's still married. So if Chasr if she going to marry, their children, they will be mamzerim, suffer mamzerim. So this was one of the halakha, why Mo'etzat Rabbanut Rashid sent Ethiopian Jews to the mikveh. But I myself, I go, I went to the mikveh, and we uh, with the Akazadam Brit, okay? So I did everything. So I remember when I arrived to Yeshivat Haratzion, and I grew up and I arrived to Yeshivat Arutzion, Murid Rabbi, Arab Lichtenstein, and Arab Amital, one of the conditions to receive Ethiopian immigrant to the Yeshiva was if they already did the mikveh. So I did mikveh. So they, um, how do you say, receive me? Yes? No, no. Uh, I, yeah, they receive me accept, as a student. Accept you. Uh, oh, this is the word. Yeah, accept. They accept, sorry, they, they accept me as a, as a, a yeshiva, yeshiva bucher. And I, first time, I asked my rabbi, Rabbi Amital, and asked, why you, why do you uh, request from us to do a tvila? We are Jewish, one, what, 100%. And he told me, takshiv bachor, takshiv bachor, takshiv. Im yavo mishu machar baboker, po mi alon shvot, veyagid li, שabbat שלי אני רוצה שabbat שלי תתחתן איתו מה אני אגיד לו אני אגיד לו אתה ספק ממזר אתה אולי אולי לא יהודי תזוב תזוב in other words רבי אמיתל he told me listen in Eretz Yisrael you don't need to be right you need to be smart you know I disagree with this kind of this message you know when I understood when I began my date my shiduch, and a lot of women, girls, which they non-Ethiopian, they told me, listen, my parents agree, there is no problem if you are Ethiopian, non-Ethiopian, but they 
ask me to ask you if you already convert yourself. You know, I used to say that when before I go to meet my shidduch, I used to take the, uh, how do you say, the, um, the certificate of the Tvila. <laughs> I met the girl say, oh, look, I am kosher 100%. There is no, you don't need to worry about me. I am kosher 100%. Um, you know, Baruch Hashem, I know, I, as I mentioned, I went to the army. In the army, I was officer, you know, to be officer after, uh, you know, 2000 years of exile in Eretz Israel. It is a high, high privilege. And after I, I have a dream, you know, I have a dream like, like Martin Luther King. Yeah? <laughs> I have a dream to be a rabbi in Eretz Israel. Uh, so I started my smicha in Harutzion, and my dream, uh, you know, my 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 purpose was to be a rabbi in order to be a bridge between Ethiopian community and between Orthodox community here. You know, to in order to bring Ashkenazi people more and more close to the Ethiopian Jewish community, and simultaneously to bring Ethiopian Jews more and more close to the Ashkenazi community. It was my purpose. So. I started my, uh, my smicha in the kolel, in Yeshivat Arutzion, and Baruch Hashem, can I know I finished, and I met Rabbi Lau, I remember, and I got uh, Yore Yore, and, and uh, Rav Shechuna, and, and Baruch Hashem, can I know I also met my wife, and my wife, she make also Aliyah from uh, Switzerland, uh, from uh, Basel, and she's also Ole uh, Chadash, Ole Chadasha, and in our wedding was amazing, Baruch Hashem. We discussing how exactly to do our wedding according to Ethiopian halacha or according Ashkenazi Yeki halacha. But as I used to say, that if there is love and we listen to each other, so if we were willing, we can find the solution for all the problems in the world. So Baruch Hashem, and we decided to do half, half. Okay, half Ethiopian and half Ashkenazi Yekes. Okay, so was amazing. And now we, we uh, live in Kiryat Gat with five uh, kids, five children in Kiryat Gat. I remember when we arrived here to Kiryat Gat, as I mentioned, I really want to be a rabbi in Ethiopian community. So when we arrived here to Kirat Gat, I arrived to the um, Kirat Gat institution, and the, the rabbi there was Haredi. He told me, listen, I can't give you the job to be a rabbi. And I asked him why. He told me, because you are not black enough. <laughs> I told him, what does it mean I'm not black enough? I am Ethiopian, look, look at, him, at me. And he took his kippah, he told me, listen, I'm not mean to your skin color. I mean to your keeper. Because <laughs> your keeper not black. I was in shock because how you can, uh, you know, I took this keeper, my keeper, say this is shmates. If I will be this shmates. So even I don't want to be a, a rabbi under your uh, responsibility. So I decided to leave everything and go to the university. So I began my university second degree 
and I finished my PhD in Jewish philosophy in Bar-Ilan University. And during this period of time, I got now suggested to be a rabbi by the Tsohar organization to be a rabbi in Ashkenazi community, you know, to see this congregation. As I mentioned, it's not, it's not me. It's this, this is Am Israel. This is Am Israel story. Because to see one in one hand, people, Ashkenazi people, which they came from Holocaust survivors. And the rabbi is, uh, he came from Ethiopia. And they, both of them, they pray and they embracing each other under one umbrella. And this is America. This is a nest gadol Sharon, in just starting to wrap up, what is the state of Ethiopian Jewry in Israel today? I know there were some well publicized protests this past summer about inequality and, and challenges there. Where do you see the situation today? Listen, people say that, you know, I, I remember a couple of um, articles uh, from uh, South Africa, okay? They came to see the phenomenal a community in Kiryat Gat, okay? Kedoshe Israel, which they are. And they know that Israeli, they very racist against Arab people and against Ethiopian people, okay? And they believe that Israeli society, there is racism, okay? Racism against Ethiopian and, and the people say, 9% here, they say that Israeli society is racist against Arab and against Ethiopian Jews, okay? And there is now today, unfortunately, Ethiopian Jews, they are 2% among Israeli population, but between 20 and 30%, they are in the, in, in the jail. So uh, our uh, conclusion is, of course, in Israeli, there is a, Racism against Ethiopian Jews, okay? But Rabbi, I want to tell you, I want to ask you. I remember when I arrived here, I was a small child, brown child, never test Jews before. Even I don't know how to use the bathroom. I don't know what is electricity, okay? I know even how to open the tap water. And now I hear today in Eretz Israel, I finished my PhD. I, I am rabbi in Ashkenazi community. So how I claim that Israeli society is racism? So it is more complicated to, to, you know, I don't like the conversation, dichotomy conversation. I'm unfortunately, I want to tell you, Rabbi, that the conversation in the world, even in America, even here, it's more and more tend to be dichotomy conversation. Who is support and who is against, black and white. There's no, you know, a complicated perspective. Of course, Israeli here, you know, I prefer to recognize what's going on here is not racism. This is preconception. This is stereotype. It's not racism. 
And one Ethiopian, he told me that I asked the Ethiopian, I should and I need to improve Israeli, which I am very clever. But Ashkenazi, he need to improve to his people, which he is stupid. So the preconception of if you Ashkenazi, your name is Feinstein, okay? So probably you are very clever. But if you're from Ethiopia, eh, you are very stupid. So there is, you know, I am rabbi, okay? Now I'm, I'm also in, in university, but no one thinks that I'm a rabbi or also I'm a, I'm a professor in university. Okay, this is because when you, you know, 90%, when you see Ethiopian, in your mind, it's um, Ethiopian, they just uh, come from Ethiopia, from a village. They never uh, uh, study in university. So uh, this is the problem. So it's not ODEC, not uh, rights, but we need to work very, very hard. If I going to blame Israeli society as racism, I all the time, I, I never take responsibility to myself. Because if I say Israeli society, they are racist, I blame all the time Israel society. I blame all the time the government. I never take responsibility to my life. So I prefer to recognize this situation as a preconception, as a stereotype, more than the racism. But a lot of my friends, they don't agree with me. They dis disagree with me. And they say, no, 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 Israeli is a racist. But I prefer to say, no, Israeli is not racist. Israeli is um, with high uh, stereotype and uh, preconception. You know, I just, I want to tell you, you know, a lot of people, even in my synagogue, even in my synagogue, he told me, listen, I, I accept you, my rabbi, because you convert yourself. You convert yourself. But I don't believe you historically, which you are, you are descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Yaakov even in my community, okay? And I met here in Rabbi, one Haredi, one Hasid Gur, Gur Hasidi. You know, I, I told him, oh, Shulam Aleichem, Shulam Aleichem Yid, Shulam Aleichem Yid. He was in shock. And he told me, oh, my goodness. Uh, it's mean, oi veizmir, oi veizmir. Ashvarte ret Yiddish. And his friend, he know me, he told him, listen, Omnam, he is a Schwarze, but he is with a Weisse Nishume. A Weisse Nishume is mean a Weisse Nishume. Okay, so, okay, a Weisse Nishume is, you know, is, is, maybe it's racism, not racism. I don't care. I don't care. Okay? If someone scream uh, against me, yeah, black, black, so I don't care because I know who I am. I know who I am. I am 100% Jewish. I'm proud. So I don't care if someone called me, you are ugly. You are, I don't know, you black. So why I need to uh, be very angry? If I'm angry, so may, I may, maybe I, I, I agree with him, okay? But I want to tell you, you know, to close our conversation with something very beautiful, you know, and this is, a, a, I think, represents a modern solidarity and, a, you know, a, in Jewish people today, that one day, I think three years ago, maybe four years ago, 
I, I got a call cell phone, and in the cell phone, he was uh, someone, uh, name is Danny. He was a, so, um, a commando in Sudan in 1982, a Mossad commando. And he told me, listen, Sharon, you, you don't remember me, but I help you to come to Israel from Sudan to Eretz Israel. I was your commando, and now I request from you to be my commando, my mfaked, to be my rabbi, because I'm going to um, uh, marry my son, and I want you to be my rabbi, and I want to close the circle with you. And I want to tell you that under the chupa and all the uh, which he, uh, they participate in this chupa, all of them cry because I mentioned the, uh, the, the story how we started from Sudan and now we are studying under chupa. And I actually, this is Jewish history. You know, open and close, open and close all the time. And Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem, I think this is it's amazing, amazing, Baruch Hashem. Incredible story. I could cry just listening to it. Really beautiful. Rabbi Dr. Sharon Shalom, thank you so much for joining just, us today. Rabbi, I just want to uh, finish. Yeah. Baruch Hashem, just one year ago, we were privileged to establish the International Center for Study of Ethiopian, of Ethiopian Jews at Ono Academic College. And this is amazing, amazing, you know, established again, the first International Center for Study of Ethiopian Jews in academic world. And we continue. I'm very optim optimistic, very, very optimistic. Go, go, keep going and never stop. Call out Baleva Pnima. Rabbi Dr. Sharon Shalom, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you, Rabbi. Thank you, Rabbi Ari. This has been Ari Koretsky on Jews You Should Know. Please visit us at JewsYouShouldKnow.com and subscribe at iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you consume podcasts. Find us on social media at JewsYouShouldKnow. If you'd like to become a supporter of this podcast, we would greatly appreciate that. And you can do so by visiting Patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash JewsYouShouldKnow. Finally, if you have enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review so that we can continue to grow and introduce many more people to Jews you should know.